Isko si, isko si um, Ibo. Mm-hmm. You can ask for what part of um, Ibo land, right? Hmm. Uh, the tribe. I'm just, I'm just, I don't, uh, you know that thing. The tribe. Me. That's why I, I move my mouth to that thing. What's, what is it about the tribe that triggers you? I mean, pray tell. Is the way is the way people use it. I don't mm. know if you've noticed when they say tribe, they say the otherness. They, yeah, it's the same way they use immigrants. Mm, I know, I know. Yeah. Have you ever heard a British person refer to themselves as an immigrant? Uh, they would never, even if they are immigrants, immigrants somewhere else. I'm British. They will say expats. <laughs> yes, now. So that's why I, I use those words deliberately to claim those words. You know. Okay. And I pray to say my people. Mm, I'm my ethnicity, yeah. Mm, I, I agree. I agree with you. You can't hear my writing, my this thing, right? My my keyboard. I hear a little bit of thumping, but not as um, annoying as it as, as it used to be before. But you know what? Then? Well, that's that's partly why I use my my mic. I I have noise cancellation turned on. But you know what? Also helps because I record on three separate. Actually, like, I just realized. No, no, no. It should. It should work now. Okay. So let's see. Let's try something. Can you still hear it? Mm-mm. So I just don't know voice isolation. Whatever. Voice isolation is like noise cancellation, but for the other person. I hear. Is that a poor thing? I don't want to hear anymore. It's technology. It's not my fault if it's not on Android. Speak to speak to the hands, okay? Because the ears are not listening. Happy mm. like vegans. You just want to keep converting people to your to your cult. Sorry, blessings. You're witnessing that atrocity that is Iomedia and his love for Apple. All right. Um. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. This is the Merciful Podcast with Mo and... Uh, 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 <laughs> For those who don't get that inside joke, let me be Captain Obvious. That's how Ayomide sounds in Spotty Internet. It's just as well that he's into the character. Sorry, that's me scratching. I'm sorry. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Did you scratch? Um, um, what's, that, what's that thing Farida said? Um, um, shower records. <laughs> All right, today, I don't know why we must start this episode laughing, but I think laughter is a good medicine. And speaking of word yeah. medicine, um, let, let's today, on a, on a very much sober note, uh, it's October. October has many significance. Uh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness uh, Month. It's also my birthday. Not that those two things are linked. But um, today on the show, we have someone who whose story we're going to explore. And I'll start um, by professing that when I was in my teens, I recall there was a time I was in boarding school. I think I was in my first year or second year. And I had to go home for like some medical treatment because I started having, my boobs were really hurting. I, I had some lumps on my boobs and it was very painful. So much so that when I was in my physical like PE, I couldn't jump, I couldn't run. And my mom took me to the doctor and um, they did all the scans and they found out that it was just my um my my milk producing glands coming out so that was why i was having so much pain but i'll say that was, has been the closest um i've had to kind of like a scare around maybe cancer or you know around my bo- breast area 
but for some women, the cost is not so. And as someone in the cancer research field, we're seeing a spate of young Nigerians, especially females, um, being diagnosed with, uh, with um, breast cancer and the, the same for their male counterparts. And today on the podcast, we'll be exploring one such story. Um, compared to older women, the diagnosis of breast cancer in young women has more lasting implications because the disease tends to be more um, aggressive, um, is diagnosed at a late stage with reduced survival rates and also increased rate of recurrence. Additional issues that they might face might include um early menopause, fertility issues, or even reduced productivity at work. Now, in this person's late 30s, precisely in August of 2022, they discovered a tiny lump in their right breast. They had a lumpectomy, which turns out to be receptors-positive breast cancer. As you can imagine, her whole world and that of her family came crumbling before their very eyes. The good news is that she's putting up a fight and she has a positive attitude, which I think you're going to see a lot of it being um, infused into this episode. Um, today, she is a, she's a practicing medical laboratory scientist who worked with harmful chemicals to save other people's lives, which was her joy. She was also a, a COVID-19 active and exceptional frontliner while it lasted and from what i gathered a lot of this started after she received the vaccine which we might explore you know in bits um she has been diagnosed with um, breast cancer and she's 39 she has two um she's the mother to two amazing kids a four-year-old and a six-year-old she also described herself as a wife a daughter a sister a friend and has a loving husband today we are exploring the story of someone I met, ironically, during a cancer fellowship three years ago at the National Cancer Institute. We were both fellows at the NCI, and she came from Nigeria. I came from Oklahoma, but it was a it was a fellowship that had people from all over the world, the best, the young, bright minds, you know, doing cancer research and other in in, ver- in various capacities. And Kosi was one of them. But everyone joined us in welcoming blessing in Kechi Uboajak. It also went as Kosi or Blessing to the podcast. Hi, Kosi. Hi, Kosi. Hi, Yamiki. Thank you for having me. And where, where's your ethnicity? Like, what group are you from? In I know you're Igbo, but what part of Igbo land are you from? Anambra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. And um, so I think um, you're a medical laboratory scientist. You're married. Yes. With two daughters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already know what your current um, story is right now with the cancer diagnosis you got about two months ago. But just tell us about your, you know, childhood life and experiences growing up in Nigeria. My childhood is. Is a very and um, let me say low key one. We lived in my small village. My village is a very small place. We all know ourselves. The entire village, like we know ourselves, so it's not a place that is so big or. But you know, we're able to get the little education and the little um sort of village life kind of. Um, my growing up, and um, nothing really spectacular happened during my childhood days. It's just um, we lived a very, you know, 
let me say simple but enjoyable life you understand why going up so in, i never traveled i never um ate pizza i never ate shawarma until <laughs> um maybe university days so but i enjoyed my childhood days thank you mom of course and how did you move, make the move from where you grew up to abuja can you walk us through that process because you leave abuja oh, sure. for those that don't know much about nigeria or its geography oh, that's oh, the capital is kind of like the dc yeah. to the equivalent of dc in, in the us <laughs> abuja is a federal capital territory yeah. yeah okay after my university days um i was to do internship and i've written an interview um at UNTH Enugu um I didn't get so someone informed me lately that um University of Abuja Teaching Hospital will be doing their interview um I, in fact I had it on a Saturday on a Sunday right? on a Saturday and the interview was on Monday so I had to enter the bus the next day being Sunday to get to Abuja wow. um I came with nothing even my cv i didn't come with it i was and um, my my um induction was like a month later so i didn't even come with my practice my license or provisional license something of sort but as god may have it um i was allowed to sit for the exams oral and um written and from the oral they saw that it seems this one have no something small chat <laughs> and i was i was allowed to you know partake in the interview and um like they took 24 people out of the thousands that came and i happened to be one of them uh-huh. so i did my internship at university teaching hospital abuja after uh-huh. then i went on for my service you service and i got um a placement too in abuja here because at that then i got married So by virtue of marriage uh, to choose where you want to do your national youth service course I chose Abuja and I still got a placement and since then I've been working I happen to where I served I was retained so I'm still there from 2018 to this that's how I got to Abuja um Speaking of marriage, I'm curious to know um how you know how that has I suppose how that's been um but how it's changed in light of you know um or I suppose I suppose let you know let's let's yeah how it's changed in light of you know the last two months especially spoiler alerts I'm not sure if change is probably not the best word but you know what I mean like how it's developed um uh, how is it yeah yeah change maybe yeah um I will tell you that nothing has changed <laughs> nothing really has changed the, the the in the last two months that we got the news um I think the 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 bond has become too strong or stronger Mm. so to say because my husband is too scared he's not in the medical field so he doesn't 
No, he doesn't understand anything. He just feels that any anybody that have cancer is dead already. You know, in fact, he's speaking. He was speaking out before now. Before I had to, you know, sit him down, talk to him, you know, give him hope. You know, yeah, he's not in the medical field, so he doesn't understand that um, if cancer is discovered early, he can be. Yeah, at least the person has a high chance of survival. So he thought it was a death sentence. I am the one that keeps, you know, telling him that this is not the end of the world. And I mean, he's worried also about finances. But um, just like I said, I'm keeping a positive attitude to all this. And I think he's risen up with it. He's trying to, you know, adjust. He's been following me up and down to different hospitals, different appointments, and... I still ask the doctors to talk to him on my behalf to let him know that I can still be his wife forever. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> you understand? So. Mm. And, I, and, and I guess that kind of just shows the importance of having uh, somebody and yeah, thankfully exactly. a, a spouse because cancer is a disease that consumes so much and the way yeah. it consumes you need something to counteract that consumption and it can be in place of you know your community your 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 loved ones you know and the society as a whole now i'm still sticking with the family i know you have two young kids you know a four-year-old and a six-year-old the four-year-old you know they might have a little bit of attitude but they still don't really understand um what level of communication mm-hmm. if any have you had with your daughters about what mom is going through right now and i assume no, maybe no, not no. a lot because they're still very young correct yeah, that's very young. They've never even sensed anything because we try to put up a positive attitude whenever they are around, mm-hmm. like especially so they won't feel because I've, in the last one year I've gone through a lot. I've been yeah. through a lot. Yeah. From so from the um process to uh, you know surgeries to you know a lot of things. I understand they're still young and this is probably the best for now. So, as you yeah. know, one of the risk factors for um, breast cancer, which we already disclosed that you were just recently diagnosed with, is a family history, right? A positive family yeah. history of, of cancer, especially through the, the matriarchal line. Um, so, has hmm. there been any confirmation of maybe uh, a family member, especially maybe your mom or any part of your family member you know, being diagnosed with that? And I say this with all carefulness, knowing that as Nigerians, and I may dare even say as Africans, we are not very quick in disclosing those diseases that have like strong genetic susceptibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, my mom doesn't, has not been diagnosed of even breast lump. She doesn't have breast lump. I have five sisters, and none of them has ever complained that they had uh, breast lump. But my aunt died of um esophageal cancer. That's my aunt, my that's youngest. Mm, mm. Yeah, so that's all I know. We didn't ask this in the beginning, but of your siblings, what's your position? Fifth. Huh? Second to last. Yeah, second to last. I'm the second to last. Second to last. What's what's your work been like? I'm I'm curious. I'm curious if your work, if there's been any support from work, 
but I'm also just like wanting to know what like work is like for you. What's your what's what's your every, what's your typical day at work like? <laughs> okay, for in, as as a lab scientist. Okay, um, from 2013 to 2020, I've been working on um, breast cancer and cervical cancer research. And uh, I happen to be the lab um, um, spokesperson or what do they call it again? The lab representative for uh, the breast cancer research. So I still work on the cervical cancer aspect. All I did for those years was receive the samples, you know, normal documentation, then for histology, know the processes, process the samples, they confirm that the histochemistry myself also, and they send out the slides to the pathologist. And then for uh, the cervical cancer research, I did um, um, Lyme probacy for the samples. We recruited 12,000 women and we did Lyme probacy. My, my own um, job on that area was the Lyme probacy. I did for those women. Um, then from 2020, I was sent to another lab, um, which is Multiplex Bidassi Lab, where we are, the research is basically on enteric malaria and vaccine-preventable diseases and um, neglected tropical diseases. Um, yeah, basically, that's... Um, is an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing. Even though though the, uh, this um, second lab, I mean, we run shifts. You can be on morning, you can be on afternoon. But it's an everyday thing. And then the second, I think he asked about if you're receiving support, you know, at work for this. If oh, any. Yeah, we just raised um, a donation recently on my behalf. Um, but I've not really heard anything. Them. They just sent a reminder yesterday concerning okay. that. Yeah. Okay. Now, let's just talk about some of the um, healthcare infrastructure. So I know one of the reasons why you need donation is even though you have a and like okay, let's talk about the healthcare structure in Nigeria first. Before I talk about, mm-hmm. I phrase my question. Okay. We run what we call an out-of-pocket model, which is um, characteristic of low-resource country, in the sense mm-hmm. that the bulk the government or even by extension your employer like you have in my side of the world the bulk they're supposed to take they pass they pass that bulk onto the end users the consumers and that's already a lot because we're talking about people who you know seven out of ten nigerians are living in poverty according to you know um world poverty statistics i guess so let's even go back to that model which means that you know when you have something like malaria which uh, you know it's um vector-borne disease you might ha- you'll pay everything out of pocket most of the time, and you you can get by with that. But having cancer wherever you are in the world, it's a it's a known fact that cancer consumes you know in every sense of that word your finances, your body, your organs, and you know everything that is rapidly growing. It's consuming it. So I know because you told me this, and I want you to even expand on that. Even though you have a job that you know you're employed by uh, not just. A, a large research institute and there's some insurance yeah. that comes with that but the hmo which is the health maintenance um, um 
the whole management organizational maintenance i always forget the m yeah. and it's the hmo wouldn't pay for anything not even the diagnostics part of it nor the treatment part of it can you just walk walk us through because it's still unbelievable to me you know as someone who has employment and and they wouldn't cover that is clearly actually the day i went for my mri um okay i went to the doctor and he requested a whole body mri on the chest ct i spoke to my i spoke with my um, hmo and they said they don't cover that i was like what they say yes because the doctor wrote on my um, request sheet that it was invasive doctor carcinoma that anything that has entered answer that they don't provide even to drug anything about it at all that they're not covering it and i already paid i called them initially and they said okay we are not paying for um whole body mri or you can do go ahead and do it we pay for abdominal and and pelvic 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 um, my boobs MRI. are not in my abdomen my boobs are way up here okay <laughs> Oh, and um so that I I have to pay the difference. Then I now when um they now sent the request for them to refund. They said that the request came with invasive doctor Casinema. That means they're not going to pay. And I already paid like 157,000 and they've been taking that from your salary right every like the deductions. Yes. Please yes. what are you able to tell us this insurance no, company? No you ask you no, know, I you pay immediately. Not that they are taking it from your salary. You pay upfront. I paid upfront immediately. Like it's not like they will be removing it little by little from your salary. In fact, in all honesty, I had to borrow that money that day to to run the test that I needed to. Do. So and um, actually, it's not their fault. Is is what the um, organization tells them to cover that they will cover. I went back to check my organization's um, specifications. What to, yes, my coverage, actually, our coverage. And I saw that anything cancer is not covered. So I don't think it's the problem of, um, the problem is from the um, health insurance, um, HMO. I think it's from the um, organization. But that's, that's quite dangerous, yeah. though. That's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know? It is. And I think even more so because the kind of work you do, because I think you, you yeah. we can only speculate at this point. You've worked on cell lines. Mm. You've used, you've worked with chemicals mm. like formalin. Mm-hmm. So you think you, mm-hmm. you actually have it's a strong up. feeling that yeah, you were exposed. Yes. yes. A that, on the bottle, there's a score sign on it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I've worked with it. I worked with it for so many years. Yes. <laughs> how can they just, how, how, I mean, who's supposed to oversee this? I mean, I'm just, you're a healthcare practitioner. What do you have to say about even this? Let me turn the question back to you as a co-host, which I'm breaking character, by the way, by doing that. But it just befuddles me how an organization can get away with this. It's like saying um, a pilot's um, insurance um, coverage is saying they cannot cover anything that has to do with plane crashes. Does that make sense? Well, my my guess is you'll probably say stuff like if you are you're doing the precautions, then that should sort that out or something. That's usually how they tend to do that sort of thing. I think, uh, I mean, you, that could be a point. I think our healthcare system as a whole needs to be overhauled because you cannot get away with that in this part of the world. As a matter of fact, that should be like a mandatory coverage. 
maybe they might pass there might be some custom um sharing implications like your deductible your copay your premiums but at least offer that and especially with the rates young women in nigeria now coming up with coming down on breast cancer and their male counterparts with prostate cancer we need to talk about our national healthcare plan and how cancer needs to be forefront gone are days of malaria malaria is not killing anybody anymore we're living longer and that's coming with the law of you know um non communicable diseases like cancers and hiv and other you know um lifestyle associated factors um diseases like you know heart conditions and diabetes there needs to be an overhaul of our healthcare policies to cover for this and i think as we're failing as a country So, can you just walk us through the diagnosis? And I, I should also commend you. You got diagnosed at stage one, which is early. I've not heard mm. anybody in a long while, being especially in that side of the world, to be diagnosed at stage one. The last time I saw stage one was on was in writing, like when I had to write it down somewhere. But I've, it's been a while. I had somebody being. It's usually stage two, two, two at best. But I say a lot of stage three, stages three and four. What 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 prompted you to go to the um, hospital? And um, before that time, were you always in your yearly physicals? Can you just walk us through? Maybe you can see something we can learn from as proactive measures in you know cancer detection, especially the early detection part of it. Yeah. Um. You know, I've worked on breast cancer research for a long time, so. I see a lot of young women, at least when they bring the samples, the age of the patient will be written there. I see a lot of young people come down with, you know, so I became very, very afraid of cancer. Mm. When immediately I noticed a tiny lump, I went to the hospital mm. to do an ultrasound. They told me it was nothing to worry about. The ultrasound was not even catching it. I was really, really uncomfortable, but I went home. And a few months later, I felt it was growing, kind of. I went back for the ultrasound again. And they told me that. I told them that I'm having some kind of feeling that I, I don't just understand it. They did the scan. The um, radiographer told me that there's nothing to worry about. I can be hormone playing with my me, something like that. I wasn't just comfortable. And then in August, that, that was first week, I I now noticed another lump under my areola. I mm. said no. I went back. They told me the same thing that it was nothing to worry about. Uh, this can couldn't catch it. I say, we oh, yeah, feel it with your hands and tell me if you can feel any lump. She mm. did and okay, I can feel something mm. very small here, but it's nothing to worry about. And I say, no, please refer me to a doctor right away. Mm. And she did. She referred me to a general surgeon. That same day, I went to see the general surgeon. I told him, he, I even went with my scan results. He looked at it and said, eh, this man is saying it's benign. And he said, blah, 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 blah. He, can you just feel it? He said, yes. Can you feel a lump? He said, yes. 
can we remove it? He said, eh, let's do a true court biopsy. Now, I said, don't do a true court biopsy. Please do a lumpectomy and mm. remove these lumps. So I insisted they remove. He said, they are too small. I said, just so far, there is something there that is not breast tissues. Please help me remove them. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was how he now scheduled, he now scheduled me for um, 4th of August. And mm. we had the lumps removed. And the lumps were removed, um, I would just say reluctantly, because they were very small. I, I think 1 cm or 1.5 cm or so. So you, nothing was suspected. Mm. And like the doctor said, that if he had suspected it was cancerous, he would have removed mm, the margins yeah. also. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. nothing like that was done. And it took another like a, a month and one week also for the histology result to come out. Come out. Yeah. Now looking back and now, do you regret um, having that surgery or if you had done, if you could do it again, no. you'd have had the margins and everything removed? Um, in fact, if, if I had my way, then I would have told him to cut off the breast immediately. Oh, jeez, 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 calm down. Angelina, Jolie, calm down, calm down. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So when you did the histochemical and, and all the pathology, have you, you've done all the pathology and all that? Um, so yes, I've done the histology, histology. the immunohistochemistry. Immunos- yeah, yeah. Immunos- so can you tell us if you, like the what is sensitive to like is it estrogen positive? Um, yeah, estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and then PI sixty seven forty percent. That's PI actually kind of good. Actually, mitotic marker. Yes, yes. But I think that's kind of good in a way because at least yeah. what would be more expensive for you would be the gene profile, like your BRCA gene and all that, and then the scans yeah. to be sure. But as far as therapy, you can you don't have to go on the very expensive ones, you know, especially yeah. compared to like someone that is triple negative. Triple negative, yeah, yeah. that's very aggressive, yeah. And it's more common in Nigerian women, especially. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get a lot of them actually from yeah. the research we are doing. Yeah, yeah, and for those that um, I may lost at this, so when they do um, um, cancer testing, they look at some markers, and these are like um, receptors. So there's um, estrogen, mm. there's progesterone, and there's HER2. Um, so HER2, yeah. if you are negative for that, you might, sorry, positive for that, you might be on Herceptin, for example. And yeah. we want we want a case where you're positive for at least progesterone and estrogen because with that you're able to um use like how, and I use this carefully hormone therapy it tends to be cheaper yeah. compared to if you're negative for those three things meaning that the drugs okay. that are available might not work because drugs work on receptors right if you're not estrogen mm-hmm, positive mm-hmm. if you don't have the progesterone positive or a HER2 which is a biomarker for cancer. It means you're going out of a non-conventional form of therapy, which tends to be more aggressive mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. time around, you're not bringing um, a, no- a knife to a gunfight. You're coming with the bazookas and that can also <laughs> cost a lot of, uh, it has implications for quality of life. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, you talk about cancer being money guzzling, triple negative breast cancer is one of the leading causes of double mastectomies in women that are younger than 40. Mm. <sighs> Chrissy, yeah. so the diagnosis. What went through your mind when you heard the C word? 
I work with a lot of cancer patients and they always tell me how, sorry, patients who have survived cancer, let me phrase that carefully. Tell me how mm-hmm. that, that, that C word was almost like a death sentence. And I know it's still very <laughs> fresh for you, but what went through your mind if you can walk us through that time? In all honesty, um, I, I wouldn't say I was expecting it, but I just had the feeling, I was just preparing my mind that it could be, or I was just, it was just 50-50 for me. If, though the doctor was saying that it doesn't look like, it didn't look like anything, but I just, I was just preparing my mind, you know, working on my psychology, just to be balanced, be that strong woman that I've always been, you know, um, so when I walked into the doctor's um, office and I saw his face, I smiled. Mm. He started with preaching first, you know. Mm. Um, you are one in this is one case I think one thousand women mm. that mm. I, I uh, you know, he just started talking. This happens to me once every year where you get a tiny lump and it turns out to be I just smiled. I, I mean, I, I think he expected me to start crying, but that smile, I was frozen. Mm, mm, I froze. Mm. At the, I, my mind went to my children. Mm, fact, mm. <laughs> as we were driving back, I told my husband, I'm not worried about you like so much because I know you sort yourself out. I'm so, so worried about these children. So all my mind, all my worry, all my is still on these children that you know they are still very young, they need me now, you know. With in fact it is not something I like talking about because it gets me so emotional. Emotional that yeah. it's okay, you don't have to you yeah. don't have to force yourself. Um yeah. just take your time and them. Um, you know, um, say as much as you feel comfortable to, and you know, don't feel any pressure to go beyond that. Um, I, I, I do want to ask, um, and obviously again, like what I've just said, just applies, like feel free to go as, um, as not deep as you want. Um, what have you found most helpful? Um, cause obviously, I know in this sort of um, thing, you get all sorts of responses and I'm sure you've got, you know. That's as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm sure you've got your share of responses, right? And, you know, um, I, I work with, I, you know, I work in psychiatry and I work with lots of people with, you know, not cancer, but with, uh-huh. you know, mental health issues and, yeah. You, 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 I think once it comes to these sorts of things that people don't are not as familiar with personally, um, mm. you know, the responses just tend to get really weird. Um, so I'm sure you've got more than your share of that. But what have you found to be helpful? Um, whether responses or interactions that you were like, wow, this, this really, this really touch you know hit the spot for you yeah okay um family wise they've really been wonderful with encouraging 
judgment and um, with prayer and everything. But some other people, like friends, when you tell them, they'll be like, oh, oh my God, are you serious? Jesus, these are, you know. So I just stopped talking to those people. I only talk to professionals now. I did that. I spoke more about it. The day she finally um, talked to me, she was like, no, don't worry. Calm down. There's nothing to worry about. Your stage is still early. You know, that kind of thing. So that these are the responses that has, you know, really strengthened me so, so much. So most professionals I talk to, they tend to, you know, give me that word of encouragement that keeps me going. But if I know that you are the kind of person that I will talk to and you will not be able to, you know, you know, give me a positive response some, or, you know, throw me off balance, I wouldn't, I will even mention it. If, even if you're very, very close to me, I will mention it. So, and then um, reading up from internet, it really threw me off balance. So I stopped. I read all sorts of things, trust me. In the fact, great Dr. Gogo. <laughs> PhD holder, oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give it you to don't them. want to know. <laughs> oh, God. I know, because then it's out of context, things. isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, it's a wealth of information with zero context for your person. Yeah. Your personal, you know, context and and mm-hmm. which a a good professional would would have in consideration and and I think that's mm-hmm. that's the danger. It's just like and then of course your mind latches onto the worst information, doesn't it? Yep, it's it's yeah, one of a relationship. Exactly. Yep, yep. You don't have that relationship to bounce off of anybody <laughs> to assess you. Mm-hmm. So, what what kinds of what would you say to someone who has a family member or a loved one of some kind who is going through this? What would you, from, from what you've experienced, what would you say is obviously everybody's story is different, but you know, if someone, what would you say to someone who's wondering, how can I support someone like this that I happen to know? Um, what would you say from your experience, you know, um, from um, what you found helpful, what would you suggest yeah. if you if you could say three things that they should think about or or consider? Um, just think about um, the best person to talk to, or if I know them personally, if I know their uh, family personally, I'll probably talk to them about the situation. That is, they need this person needs maximum support, not just financially, emotional support, a mm. lot of emotional support, because the mm. person's mindset is it, it needs to be worked on, kind of. And then, um, without people's support, without that positive support, the person might not, if, might not, you know. In this case, if you act, if you think you actually die, but in my own feeling that this will come and go. This will still pass. So it's just it's just encouragement. Be with, with be with people that encourage you. Be with people that you know give you that positive. I don't know if I use positive vibe. If it's you know if it makes sense, you understand that. Just mm. get as much support as you can. That, that's it. Is there any kind of support that you think you would like that you haven't gotten yet, but you think would be helpful? 
Apart from the financial oh. bit of it, we'll talk apart about. From, oh. yeah, <laughs> apart from what you've got so far. Captain, Captain you know, is there something that you feel like is missing? I don't think um, it's something you can help me with. Um, presently, I need a house help. Like, I'm stressed out. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Even, you know, man, there's a limit to what they can do. My husband helped me, but he yeah. out in the house. In fact, yeah. he's not a typical Nigerian man because, or a typical Igbo man will not do as much as he's doing. But I'm still really, like, stressed somehow. And I still feel that maybe when I'm away for my treatment, that I need someone at home, when my husband is with me, someone to, you know, be with me. Yeah. 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 And things like that. Yeah. May I just jump in and say, do you have a church? Are you, are you part of a Christian church as well? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I spoke with my home cell leader. Yeah. Usually um, here, they, they have like a sign up sheet where people can help. Are they helping? Yeah. Are they helping? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm. Might I even suggest something? Maybe because here in this part of the world, they are so good to do it. They, they have a sign-up sheet. Who's gonna do like you know, home um, food runs, um, deliver cooked meals, help with grocery, mm. help clean your house. But maybe in your what own case, you might have to articulate what you need. Maybe ask yourself, leader. This is kind of help I need in case anybody is wanting to help. In addition to your prayers, of course. Do you think yeah, that's something you might be comfortable me, doing? Nobody will do that. Say. But don't say that no, though. Do don't that. say that though. They might just do you that. You know, there's a cultural aspect to this stuff though, Tolani. Okay, um, tell me. Maybe I'm, I've lost it. Maybe I've lost. I've lost. No, just I've, like culturally, I don't think we have that cultural in our sort of Christian communities. Mm, I see. Um, I see. Part of the problem being that our, you know a lot of churches in Nigeria are not necessarily, especially in the cities. They're not necessarily very community focused. Mm, mm, mm. In the rural parts, a bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, which is which you know it's unfortunate, but yeah. So not to t- the churches that are listening to this, please, you know, when we say we should do life together, all these small small groups are forming, you know, after this is this is life, this is it. Life doesn't get better this than is the life. this is the life we're talking about. It's not just when we come and be thumping Bibles and casting and binding. Okay. Um, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. you. No, no, yeah, of course. Talk to churches about this type, they will say, No, just pray, God will do it. You mm-hmm. don't need any medication, you don't mm-hmm. need to go to the hospital. That's I, the, that's I'm, the other I problem. It's actually yeah, unhelpful stuff sometimes. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. So Somebody has told you that. What's told me that. Mm-hmm. That God will do it. I don't need any do medication. It. I don't need to do, go for any surgery. But <laughs> am I saying that God cannot do this one? Am I? Am I God? Am I, you know? I'm telling what? God that He does not know what how to do. You know. In fact, my immediate family. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> you can imagine. I don't, know, I don't know why people would think that God and uh, using the hands of doctors and all that is still not God. Don't they know that people can, you know, you know, um, have like the it's best sur- surgical team and they still die from surgeries? You know, yeah, it's, yeah. you're right. It's a narrative problem, but it's 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 gonna take more than one episode to start fixing that. Um, um, Kose, so as someone, um, so my line of work is really to look. At, I I deal mostly with men with prostate cancer, and I've learned a lot, even though I don't have a prostate. But I think one of the things that comes with you know cancer, being on the cancer trajectory, is that there's this reframing of your life, your priorities, like everything becomes clearer. 
you know, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe before cancer, you were, you know, just, I'm not saying everybody should go have cancer to have that clarity, but we can talk about the things cancer takes away from you, but we can also look at the things that you gain. And I say that carefully, but mm-hmm. I will say, mm-hmm. even though it's still fairly new, um, you're still in the early stage of it, but I know soon and very soon you cross to that very end of survivorship where you start doing, you start thriving, you know, way more than where you are right now. And maybe even turn that into advocacy. But in the short, you know, few mo- months you've, you know, been going through this, has there been, um, ways you say it has changed your life? Maybe positively? And I want to yeah. be careful how I say that because, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I have actually changed my eating pattern. In fact, mm-hmm. before now, I can eat my apple by this time and comfortably go to bed immediately. Or um, I've been watching carefully what I eat, consciously adding veggies, vegetables to my deep diets or um, fruits. Before now, I don't mind anything yeah. goes. I can eat anything, any, anytime, anywhere. But now I'm more careful with what I eat and then I'm, I'm deliberate about it to, you know, add vegetables or fruits to my daily diet. So I'll think, I'll say that's a positive um, thing that this situation has, you know, done for me. Before mm. I was very careless, care- I had a very bad eating habit. Like mm. very, very bad. So, and now I'm more conscious of, um, storage i don't store food for long again in my freezers you know yeah i just get mm-hmm. uh, what whatever i need and finish it as quick as possible yeah so that, that's good. a positive one that's good how about on the um emotional side some say from my experience with you know interacting with you know um the people i work with they talk about how mm-hmm. um they're able to kind of declutter their mind, like things they used to fuss about, like all the, you know, the ups and downs of life and the things we get, you know, bothered with, like, you know what? No, this is, this is nothing anymore. Like there's a new perspective again. And I, and I think it, it might not even be relevant for you now because you're still in the very thick of things, but maybe next time when we, cause I want to bring you back after you've done your therapy and, you know, you're, you're, you've gotten that clean bill of health. Maybe we can explore this further. So I'll hold this question for now. Okay. Now let's talk to, about the very last bit, which is very important. Right. And it's one of the reasons why I brought you on the show. Um, so there are two yeah. things I'd like to say first. I know one on the episode with superpowers and, um, communities that I did with, um, I mean, they, I talked about my super strength being connecting people and, you know, doing what I can do to bring people together for a common cause. And that, that opportunity was presented to me recently. So the first time Kosi reached out to me and said she's been diagnosed with cancer and all that, she was very gracious in the sense that she didn't tell you how I first responded. I actually wasn't sure <laughs> how to, you know, she said she needed, you know, money and finances. And I'm like, oh go back again to the community. We just asked for money for uh, my friends and my sister's um, fibroid surgery. I felt a little bit icky about it, but I I want to just say that talking to Tolu, which we're going to talk about in a bit, Tolu, for those who don't know, she runs Cancer Aware. 
a wonderful, wonderful engineer for profit organization. So myself, Kosi and Tolu, we all were part of that cohort in the, um, that summer fellowship I talked about through the National Cancer Institute. And Tolu is more on the advocacy side. She helps to connect women to timely treatment. She's really into gynecology cancers like breast, ovarian and cervical. So I go, I, 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 I reach, I told Kosi to reach out to Tolu. You know, because Tolu's in Nigeria, she knows how to help, you know, you get like, you know, discounts on medications that might be otherwise expensive, get like, you know, I'm um, even discounts at the diagnostic labs and all that. So after talking to Tolu, Tolu um, called me back and we had like a, a full debriefing and I realized that I couldn't stay quiet, you know, um, as much as I'm uncomfortable going out there in the community and start harvesting money. I know that someone listening to this wants to be a blessing to blessing or cursing. So, that said, um, it's my birthday around the corner. So I, I when I'm phrasing this carefully, not that it matters to anybody listening, but if you've been following the show for a while, every year there's always something I raise money for, either education or fiber surgery or, um, last year was actually some, my other friend's sister, um, who was going to have a double mastectomy and we raised some funds for her. This time around, I'm coming. If you would like to give me a birthday present, I'd like for that to be converted as a donation towards Kosi's, um, medical treatment because, um, I want her to be here for her kids. She has a six year old and a four year old. And as I'm saying this right now, I'm getting emotional because I cannot even imagine the fear she has as a mom. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a public plea to anyone listening to this. Please consider donating to us the GoFundMe, which will be linking to this episode. But um, Kosi, I would like for you to tell us just the financial implications you're in. Because you, you did mention earlier on that not too long after receiving the COVID vaccine, you were diagnosed with um, thyrotoxicosis. And that's actually a, a chronic condition. And you had to undergo surgery, which also, um, sorry, thyrotoxicosis, I said that, yeah, which also drained a lot of your uh, savings. Remember in our country, we have to save towards healthcare. We don't get anything to fall back on. If you're, it's been from the hospital to another, she's been in and out of surgery and, and now breast cancer is like, come on, a lady needs a break. But tell us, you know, articulate just the financial implications of the things you need. I know in the beginning stage of it, you need to do a lot of diagnostic um, tests, which is very expensive in a low-resource country like our country, Nigeria. But I would like for you to, in your own words, to, you know, take this time now to appeal to those might be, that might be listening, you know, how much you need and how we can, you know, be of help to you. Um, I don't know where to start from. Um, actually, um, I've been, I've been through a lot, a whole lot. More. You don't. Uh, you don't want to. I don't want to go into it because it makes me so emotional. I've gone through um, major surgery this year, just mm. in July. That's after you know recovering a little bit from the thyroid diagnosis, which, um, by the way, I'm still on drugs. Um, that that the financial implication is still high on me, and then. Cancer set in again. Um, I've done quite some tests. Like I mentioned earlier, I've done the histology, the um, chemistry, the MRI, full body MRI, the CT, and all these costs above 500,000. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. And uh, there's still a lot 
they don't the span is done only in Lagos. Now how much is that? That's, that's almost like um $800, you know. Yeah. Then the the Braca test is 655,000 58,880 as in naira mm-hmm. that's above um, 1.1 million naira already and i mean abuja i have to get to lagos um the logistics and I'll be followed up and treated for like five years. I don't know. I've never heard this before. And then the professor I spoke with today again told me that breast cancer is a journey that the treatment takes a long time. Yeah, it's usually the follow up. So in that five years, you might be going to the doctor like six months. It might not necessarily be that you're going, to, but you have to be in that constant communication. I think that's what they mean by that. Yeah, there's the active phase mm-hmm. and there's the follow up phase. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's okay. That 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 makes that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I can contrast that to so my patients when they go, they have their workup. Maybe they are doing like you know radical prostatectomy or radiation. They will have the active phase for the treatment, and once that is done, then every six months they have to follow up. They do their PSCs to be sure it's you know under control. So that's what they probably want you to be coming in for. Yeah, because you remember they say five years survival, right? That's what they actually look at. Then after the five years, then they can now ring that bell, like, okay, you're you're free. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was meant to understand that this um, preliminary test, like a uh, PET scan, that we still need to do it again in the future to confirm that there is nothing again or something like that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Not the financial implication is really, really is is scary. So to say, it's really scary to me. Um, it's not. Is is something we cannot. We can't do this alone. We can't even dive into it because right now I don't know. I don't. I don't know where to start from. But mm. with your help, with everyone's help, I'll be able to, you know, go through this. I'm already positive that I'm going to survive. I need, you know, everyone's help to, you know, to be able to come out of this. I mean, thanks for articulating that. I think you did that beautifully. And um, and I wouldn't even ask, like, so all these things you mentioned, we're looking at millions of naira, right? And according to yeah. Tolu, who I mentioned earlier, from my from her experience, and Tolu's story is so beautiful. She was in the finance side of things. She switched to cancer mm-hmm. advocacy because she had a scare. Thank God she wasn't cancer, but she's done everything to keep helping women mm-hmm. in Nigeria, especially indigent women, get access to timely care and coordination of care and even, you know, running her own uh, survivorship um, support group and all that. She suggests that whatever amount you need, you should double that by two, just to adjust for inflation and other things that might, you know, come up in the future. But if you can even contrast that, you don't have to tell us the ex- exact figure. How much would you say is your is your yearly salary or even monthly salary in comparison to everything you need right now? Because I want to paint a picture of, you know, even if you had saved and all that, with all the health issues you've had, there's no savings to fall back on. 
my my savings are drained like drained to the last um my salary my monthly salary is nothing to compare with <laughs> even if i have to stay for two years to, to go through this i won't save half of it that's the truth thanks so much for sharing that kosi um and um yeah um, and more and more more and i will keep thinking about what else we can do to um not just support but also um find out you know connect you to other people as well um yeah. who who will be interested in um in supporting yeah um thank you so much but yeah thank you for coming on to share your story and um and yeah just you know the sort of courage that you're facing all of this with thank you so much Diomede. yes grateful. yes um because we will link we'll send out the link out to everyone so everyone listening with this show notes you'll get a link please consider donating so five dollars is going to be like 3500 naira which is something significant so don't say oh it's too small we're not gonna judge you can privately send it to me if you're free can make it anonymous we just need this change guys to change Costa's life we want her to be here for to work her daughters you know down the um you know working daughters down your husband is gonna do that but to do a more good for her daughter is adult her daughters and just living life with her daughters and all that and also live a rich life and fulfilling life and we can get to help her with that so i'm gonna put all of that in the show now um Kosi, are there any things we forgot to talk about that you'd like for us to mention before we go? No, I just want to thank you to thank the people that are yet to donate. You know, I'm grateful. I'm so, so grateful for, you know, being on this platform, appealing to people to um, help me. Um, we'll come back to share the testimony, hopefully. Yes, yes. When we beat this cancer. Because we're yes. going to beat it. <laughs> let's let's make a date to meet in a year's time and look back at today and I, I can't even wait to see the stories that come from it but yes um i'll be in touch with you definitely you know we have a work-up plan to um set up that go for me which i'm helping her set up by the way and we're working with one of her friends to partner up and um, raising more awareness for kosi's um, um needs well um kosi has been Thank you. It was honored. We're honored that you came on the show. I know it's pretty late in Nigeria. You could have been resting as you need your much rest. You need rest. But thanks for um, just sharing your journey with us and um, we'll be in touch, like I already said. And yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so I'm much, Kosi. Uh, all right, everyone. You're welcome. Yeah. All right, everyone. This has been the show. As you say in Yoruba, You'll be, you understand your bar, right? <laughs> I don't, it's my oh, husband that speaks here. Well, oh, it means that you'll be here, you'll be here with us for a long time. You're not going anywhere anytime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And I'll be, <laughs> and I'll be so reaching much. out with, I'll be reaching out to, um, um, uh, NCI yeah, cohort too. as well. So, um, okay. for our NCI cohort friends. Um, we'll be sending you, you know, please consider donating. This is Kosia, very Coco, like you guys call her. You know, Sprite, I mean, <laughs> Coco, Coco needs help. All right. Um, all right. Everyone, um, on behalf of, um, everyone on the show, thank you for listening today. 
don't forget to um, click on the link to support Kirsty and also listen to other episodes from the podcast. Well, this has been the show with yeah. Mo and uh, I am a day. <laughs> All right, then. Bye, everybody. And um, take care. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so when the episode comes out, just.